0: Hello there. Welcome to another episode of the Being Responsible show. And in this episode, I get to talk to Scott Allen, who is a very accomplished author. He has written a a variety of books on the subject of mindset, personal power, shifting your paradigm, achieving the kind of life and goals that you desire, and a lot of personal and, uh, professional development. So I had a great conversation with him. We touched on a lot of things very close to the heart of this show of what I like to talk about, responsibility, adulting, how to break free from negative behaviors, how to map out your future and uh, really hold yourself accountable for what you decide and and how you decide to live your life. So it's a very powerful, very helpful. Episode. But before I get to that, I would like to jump into which will be the first time I do this on uh, the Being Responsible show, is the segment of this week's news that I've been able to, I would say, had the pleasure, maybe not the pleasure, given the current state of affairs around the world, but that I've been able to consume and think about and distill for you. So let's just begin with, I think, one of the biggest stories, which is that there was an independent report published recently, I will get the information for you and publish it here in the description so that I can cite my references, where independent journalists were able to find what Bill Gates has actually been investing a lot of his donations into when it comes to mainstream media. And whether you've been living on a rock or not, You'll probably know who Bill Gates is. He's one of the most wealthiest people, the wealthiest men in the history of humankind. Responsible for companies like Microsoft, and now the Bill and Melinda Mill, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, which has been working on humanitarian projects around the world for a number of decades, I believe. Now, a lot of the money that he uh, gives away every year goes to media. And you have to wonder, okay, so if millions or hundreds of millions of dollars coming from his foundation is going to things like journalism, education, also to the companies that hire those journalists, like CNN, ABC, CNBC, MSNBC, which MS, by the way, stands for Microsoft, is this a conflict of interest with Having someone in that position of power with that kind of influence in the world, especially in the things that he's doing, not just in the realm of COVID and pharmaceuticals and vaccinations, but in terms of developing nations and how he and his teams are helping them and funding them and educating them. Is there a conflict of interest there when the journalists cover stories like that? Because Let's just think logically for a moment when there's a phrase which goes, don't bite the hand that feeds you, correct? If you're getting money and you're happy and you're, you're, you're taken care of and you're comfortable, why, why would you possibly want to bite that hand? Now, yes, there are people who wouldn't take the money, but it just so happens that these organizations have taken the money and it's on record. So what are they doing with the money and how is it being spent? It just so turns out, a lot of that is actually very difficult, if not impossible to find out. There are very vague descriptions of the funds, like assisting in the education of journalism and things like that, but nothing specific. So that money could theoretically be be spent on anything. And I feel like it's reasonable. And correct me if I'm wrong here, feel free to write in and message me on Instagram or whatever. But if you think that a man with that power and that wealth funneling a lot of this money, and yes, okay, a lot of it could be for tax reasons. I've heard that argument that a lot of it would be to write off tax so he doesn't have to pay the tax on those funds. But think about hundreds of millions of dollars going towards mainstream media and the education of journalists. What does that mean? Give you in terms of influence when it comes to covering subjects that you're directly involved with or that you benefit from in some financial way or some strategic way. I think logically, it would be strange not to come to the conclusion that there's a conflict of interest. So just to conclude here, you must be able to keep a level head when it comes to very divisive political topics like COVID, like the government and the political agendas and the kind of the mandates of vaccines, you have to keep a level head and be rational about things. But based on logic. And what I've noticed is, I'm just going to go out here and, and say this. What I've noticed is the more intellectual friends that I have, super smart people, super um, knowledgeable, very intellectual, always like to solve problems to do with exist existential issues, humanity, spirituality. These friends that I have always like to rationalize the government's intervention because In their mind, it it can't be a conspiracy theory, right? It it can't be a collection of groups of individuals, including people like Bill Gates. It can't be all of this authoritarian movement where Germany, and by the way, this is the next topic that I want to cover, Germany having now uh, sanctioned government power to mandate unvaccinated people to stay at home. They can't enter society anymore. They can't have a normal life. They're not allowed to in Germany. There are now barriers that separate the unvaccinated and the vaccinated in public places. This is Germany we're talking about here. This is a country that was punished for decades because of its fascist push for global authoritarianism, the Second World War. It's incredibly ironic how. This is happening right now, so soon off the, the the back end of that war. It hasn't even been a hundred years yet. And Germany's back at it again, concentrating groups of people, concentration. And I, I just want to say that the more intellectual people that I know always like to rationalize this because for some reason with this group of people and the way that they think, there's got to be a solution. There's got to be a reason why. Um the conspiracy doesn't fit. But if you look back, right? If you're rational about things, let me pick a better word for this. If you're, if you're logical and you use the track record of government and people in positions of incredible power, if you look at history not even the, the, the data today that suggests that these things are actually happening as a result of incredibly powerful, influential people bandying together and setting some agendas. If you just simply look at history and the trajectory of history, you will see a recurring theme. And the recurring theme is the very powerful and the very wealthy always enjoy more power and wealth. And in order to get more power and wealth, what do they do? They lobby government. They lobby media, they lobby at this point in time, technology, social media platforms. Okay. And and so I challenge you, I challenge you to keep your mind open. I challenge you not to hastily jump on the back of some government or government funded or Bill and Melinda Gates funded report or study or interview on CNN, which is taking his money, right? To the tune of millions, like literally tens of millions of dollars a year. And I challenge you not to hastily believe what you're being shown or told. Because if you do that, you are ignoring the fact that not only are these organizations incredibly corrupt, right? The media is incredibly corrupt because of its conflict of interests with being objective, telling an objective uh, side of whatever's happening in the world right now with the people that fund it or the organizations that fund those institutions, because why, again, would you bite the hand that feeds you? Now, coming back to Germany, this is an incredibly worrying scenario that we're seeing unfold. And I knew that it was going to, I didn't know, but I had a strong feeling that we were going to start to see the manifestation of uh, a lot of what happened during or bef- sorry, before and during the the war, right? The Second World War, where fascism was we were fighting against it. We were doing everything we could to stop the the march of the Nazi uh, and its allies. So it's shocking to me today to see a country that was at the center of that. devastating period of time, going and doing things that are so familiar. And let's just take a moment to put things into perspective, shall we? The claim is that this virus is deadly and so damaging that we need to shut down our entire global economy to protect people. That's the claim. Don't make any mistake. That's always what the claim has been. The claim has been that we need to do our part to protect other people. So what do we do? We need to keep people locked indoors. We need to stop the spread of the virus. And we need to take these vaccines that were rushed to market. And if you don't understand what that means, go and research how vaccines usually come to market, you'll see that there is an incredibly long time period where organizations like the FDA want those companies to meet specific standards so that we don't get things like massive recalls, massive lawsuits, hundreds, thousands of unnecessary deaths from side effects. These vaccines have been rushed to the market in an unprecedented period of time we're talking a fraction of the time it would usually take for something like this to reach the market. And they've done this through loopholes, right? And executive decisions from the governments of the United States and certain European countries, et cetera, right? Now, we are dividing our society and we are being prejudiced against people that for one reason or another, it could be that they're, insane conspiracy theorists. But I think, right, based on what I've read and what I've seen and the data, I believe that most people who do not want to be vaccinated are not crazy conspiracy theorists. I believe they are logical, rational people who know a little bit about what the potential risks are or they cannot justify in their right mind taking something that is being forced on them, putting it inside of their body and hoping for the best. Because as I said, these were rushed to market. They were not tested regardless of what the reports say. Okay, time is a factor in that equation. Time is not something that can be compressed because we are human and we make mistakes. And time is necessary as an ingredient to be able to look back and reflect and see how we can improve something and make it better and avoid potential issues with things like side effects. So there's no good reason why this time we were able to do something that didn't require us to take that much time. Because as far as I'm concerned, that's an essential component, right? Now, Again, going back to these people that are being prejudiced and being barricaded indoors, you know, told to stay in, they can't come out, they can't go shopping, they can't um, do the things that they need to do in order to live a healthy, happy life. This is incredible, fascist, authoritarian, and again, the excuse is we need to look out for each other, we need to support each other, we need to do our part. But you know what? I think the data doesn't support that. I think the data around COVID does not support the claims of the severity of this pandemic. I do not believe that based on what I've read and what I've seen, that these lockdowns, that these vaccinations are actually going to make life better for everyone. I believe that, yes, they may and they have been shown to affect the, the rate of mortality, perhaps the rate of transmission, perhaps the rate of serious symptoms. But overall, when you look at the data uh, from a very uh, objective bird's eye view, what really helps to, to keep people safe, to keep people healthy, which is the major claim of this entire narrative is we need to protect you. We need to protect you and your your, your neighbors, your family members. The thing that we never have ever addressed in the mainstream is that humans are becoming disproportionately affected and dying from COVID because they are unhealthy, because they have underlying health issues, because they're old, because they are predisposed. Those are the major issues. Those are the ways that we're going to tackle this without having to shut down the global economy without having to become authoritarian and demand even more power and freedom from people who are already oppressed. They're already oppressed. They've got three jobs in, you know, places like the United States. First world country feels like a a third world country or second world country because people are so tired and broken and beaten by this type of politics that, for some reason or another, you know, through effective propaganda and brainwashing is now somehow accepted. So I don't know if every single episode is going to have this kind of a rant at the beginning, but I'm super frustrated and incredibly displeased with how the world leaders are dealing with the situation. And if I'm a smart man by any measure, I must suggest that there is something going on here that doesn't match what the narrative is. And it seems to me based on everything I've seen and everything I've experienced and everything that history has shown us seems to me like there is a shift in power and it is on purpose. I don't, I'm not saying COVID was on purpose. I'm saying that the actions of groups of individuals at the level of government and perhaps even beyond are mandating vaccines they are forcing compliance they are breaking people down into submission and they are taking more power and freedom away which is what historically always happens when people who are powerful and wealthy want more power and wealth okay so hopefully that makes sense to you hopefully hopefully we're on the same page If you disagree with me, if you think that I've made any major issues in the things that I've said, I genuinely wanna talk to you. I want to understand just as much as you do what's going on so that we can fix this for everybody. Because as you may have noticed, this is not a sustainable approach. We are going to have to live with this virus regardless of how it was created, where it came from. We have to live with this virus now but we cannot afford to keep doing this to the world economy, to nations, to people, because it will destroy us. It will destroy us. We've survived these things before. We've survived the Spanish flu. We've survived many other epidemics, many other pandemics. We wouldn't be here if we didn't. And we didn't take this kind of precaution. We did not force people to stay indoors. We did not force people into groups in society so that we could feel safer. All right. With that said, (laughs) on that positive note, let's get to the episode and I hope you enjoy it. If you do, please go and leave us a positive review on the Apple podcast platform because every single one we get helps. And if you have any ideas on the kinds of topics you want us to cover, please do get in touch. Take care. I'll see you on the next one. Oh, this is terrible. Before we talk about the book, can we talk about who you are, what your background is, what your expertise is, and some of the experiences you've had that kind of led you down this road to being quite an accomplished author? Actually, I looked on your Amazon and you've got dozens of books there. I'm, I'm pretty excited to be able to talk to you about all of those and maybe focus on some of the things that you've, you feel like would add the most value to this audience. So could you go through a little bit about yourself and, and then we'll get through to some of the more key topics here?
1: Sure. Sounds good. Yeah. Um, Want me to jump in right now or? Sure. All right. Sure. Yeah. As you know, my name is Scott Allen and I live in Japan. I've been here for about 24, going on 25 years. Um, Was born and raised in Nova Scotia, Canada. And just a a brief story on how I arrived here, because a lot of people do ask that question, you know, you're born in Canada, but you live in just outside of Osaka in Japan. And how did that happen? So mm-hmm. um, to make a long story short, um, I was in a, in a transitionary period in my life where I needed to make a change because I was tired of just sitting around doing the same old thing all the time. And um, I had a good life. Don't make it wrong. I was working as an engineer and um, doing things. But um, something inside me was just saying, like, you know, there's got to be more to it than this. and I just, um, one day I was in the bookstore, came across Tony Robbins' book. It's, it was Awaken the Giant Within. And I bought that book, took it home, started reading through it. And Tony said, you got to set goals for yourself. You want to make things change. And I said, all right, right, that's what I'm going to do. So I did that. And, um, one thing led to another, and I do believe in, uh, I guess, um, call it intuition, but, I uh, just felt like I was moving on the right path. Um, started getting into a lot of like, I guess call it personal development, which is really what I was working on is like, you know, um, these goals, by the way, so here's what happened. I set out these goals and there were three goals at the time. Um, one of them was to, uh, I've always wanted to be an author, by the way, I wrote my first book when I was 14 and then I took a 20 year hiatus where I didn't write anything, but that, uh, I picked that up later again, obviously later on. But um I decided I want to be an author. I wanted to travel the world because I'd never been anywhere. And I um, can't actually remember what the third thing is. I think it was to, like just get into better health because my health wasn't very good. So right. um, basically like I, I just started cranking on these things like uh, I painted my I was in like this one bedroom apartment at the time. I was single. I painted the walls with all these positivity quotes and and my friends came over. There like, they're like, "Like, what's going on with you? You know, we're supposed <laughs> to go down to the bars, and and now you're like doing all this like woo woo positivity stuff." And I'm like, "Yeah, that's right." And I'll be leaving here in about six months. I said, "I'm going to go travel the world." And of course, everybody thought that was interesting. But um, that's what happened. I ended up finding a job um, again by coincidence. I found the job while I was living in Vancouver um, in the newspaper one day, reading it. And, you know, making all these big plans to travel the world. I had no money, by the way. I had a car I could probably have sold for, yeah, I did sell for like a $1,000. So um, I had no idea how I was going to do this thing. Uh, but, and here's the thing is that, and this is kind of leading into something we may talk about later, but decision is very powerful. Like making a decision and mm-hmm. not just making it, but going all in on that and allowing nothing to deviate, nothing to pull you off course like once you decide you want this thing you just keep pushing forward and that was i've done that in, every time i've done that in my life it was like a the result was um i guess you call it a transformation or a reinvention um without knowing at the time that that's what it was what's what was happening but um anyway i applied for this job in japan i got it and eight months later or maybe like a, yeah it was like what eight months i think this company flew me from vancouver to Japan. I could not speak the language. I could barely hold a pair of chopsticks and um <laughs> you know, uh that was it. I just landed here, at boom, and started working and just just loved it. And uh, and I realized like I just wanted this like lifestyle of like everyday like it was just different, you know. Um I mean I did this, I've been to the States sometimes here and there, but um this was just totally like something just like was just blowing my mind, you know, everywhere. It was like, was, like temples and and all these organic f- or like, like these exotic foods. And, um, I just wanted a little wanted
0: to- Asahi beer cans.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, got here and just decided no matter what I'm staying here. And I did. And, um, eventually ended up getting married and to uh, have, you know, raising a family. And, uh, so anyway, um, I could go I, And by the way, like I did do a lot more traveling. I, I set up home base here. Always had a job, you know. Had an, a had a pretty good job. I think that I, you know, that I had um, built on the way, um, built my um, built the business as well, and eventually ended up traveling to Thailand, throughout Southeast Asia on vacation. So all those things that I had been dreaming about way back when, this little tiny apartment in vancouver um and by the way my, my walls were also painted with not painted but i had all these photographs of like all these places i was gonna go so i guess like um some people would call that like building a uh, what do you call it like a wall mirage dream, or a mirage, wall. But yeah yeah dream wall yeah exactly and that's what i built and every day i just woke up i just looked at that thing i was like yep i'm gonna make this happen and and that and all those places i had in my wall eventually i ended up going to so um you know, nice. that was, that was the magic, but, um, but yeah, you have to really be just like, um, there is a certain level of sure commitment and, you know, I made a decision, I was going to do this thing, but just, you have to be really intentional about it. You know, like it's, um, dreams are great, but as long as, you know, if they're just dreams and nothing comes of it, well, then you're just back to doing the same thing that you were doing before. Right. Yeah. So, yeah,
0: I, I think we have a lot of parallels with our background. So you talked about a number of things there that I found really interesting because I also have had, uh, those experiences where, for example, I was working in a dead end job. I'm going to say dead end. I'm sorry, because it's my, it was my family (laughs) business. Mm. Uh, but it was a dead end for me because I'm such a different person compared to other members of the family. And I was always very exploratory. I wanted to go out and find new things. And, um, I stumbled into Tony Robbins. So I, I completely understand how, how that changed you. For me, it was, it was earth shattering. I don't really follow the guy anymore. You know, I feel like I've kind of moved on to other kind of ways of thinking and other perspectives and different goals, but definitely at the time it was exactly what I needed to kind of shatter. Uh, I think as he probably says, a lot of the paradigms mm-hmm. that we have about what life is supposed to be like, about what our potential is, you know, as a human being very limited, usually. And, um, uh, yeah. And then, you know, you talk about things like moving to Japan. I I moved to Japan as well. (laughs) Well, for a while I lived there, not, not long, not as long as you did, but I lived there for about six months. I loved it. It was very eye opening. Um, I have very fond memories of that place because I tell everybody, you know, when you get to Japan, you will not be prepared for what you're going to (laughs) see. It's like a different planet. (laughs) You know, people do things so differently there. The technology is so different and the culture is so different. So I absolutely adore it. And I feel like you've, you've had a really interesting life because those are the things that I enjoy. And I think that they're very interesting. Um, but yeah, you know, you touched on some very psychological uh, very important kind of principles, such as taking decisions or making decisions, being able to have that muscle to make decisions if that, like you know quickly. Um, I have an experience a very sore experience with that. I was with a lady um, in my twenties, and we had you know had some arguments and we weren't getting along with each other i was around about 24 23 and she was a lot older than me she was about 30 at that time and she needed a guy that was strong and a leader and you know able to take control and be assertive and i was a kid still i was still figuring out what i wanted to do in life i wasn't able to you know be assertive or you know be any kind of decided person So it really rubbed her the wrong way, and she, she and I broke up. But it really taught me a big lesson, and I suppose again this is something we're going to get into. But it taught me how important it is to focus on clarity and your objectives, and really start to take into account where you, how how you want to feel when you when you pass away. Like you know, a lot of people say. It, the worst thing in the world is 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 knowing you're dying, but also knowing you never did the things that you wanted to do or some of the things you wanted to do. And I, I guess, you know, since then and now, I've been able to build more of an appreciation for that and kind of more of a discipline too, which touches on the topic of this uh, whole entire podcast, which is being responsible. Uh, and you have really dived into a lot of this mindset a lot of this foundational work, which gives people, I guess, much more power to be responsible and to be that kind of person where they can take control, they understand their potential. Um, what was the what was the first book you wrote after that twenty year period of just of not writing? And and why did you why did you begin? And was it so, What was it about that book?
1: Yeah, uh, one of the first books, uh, probably was the, the first book. It was uh, called "Drive Your Destiny," um, and yeah, how that came about, um, you know, one day it was just like, uh, you know, I've been living here for I don't know. I think at the time, maybe ten or eleven years, and uh, writing just like I, I don't know. It just it just came onto my wrist. Like, what was the yeah? You know, wh- why did I come here? What was the one? What was that other goal that I had? It's like, oh yeah, I was going to write a book and. You know I started um like thing is, right? I've always been into self-help and personal development, but there's being into it and there's being obsessed by it. And um, when I started getting back into it, um I realized like I hadn't as I, I wasn't being as intentional with my mindset as I was like way back when I was living in Canada, I guess and I was really focused, you know, on this how I got here. and kind of got away from it for a while. And so when I started getting back into it, picking up on the reading again, You know, uh, not just Tony Robbins, but by this time I was, you know, I had uh, a few other mentors that I was really, you know, tapping into, and uh, um, I was talking a lot about writing books and this and that. And eventually, I think after a year or so, I just gotten so tired of talking about it. One day, I I finally just said, "That's it, I'm doing it." And I just sat down with a pen and paper and I started pounding out these words, and I didn't stop for about a year. And by then, I had something like a hundred thousand words written, I think. And I didn't write it all out by pen and paper, but I certainly started that way. And you know, mm. this was like going way back when. But the content that I was writing about was stuff that I was like lessons that I learned along the way. And the original book that I wrote, um, it was actually three books. It turned out to be three books that I'd written. I wasn't even keeping track. I was just writing all this stuff in. One of the chapters was actually on taking responsibility, making decisions, um, nice. visualization. You know, a lot of things that, you know, granted, they have been discussed before by Jim Rohn and Tony and, and, and Zig Ziglar. But um thing is, is, like it was different this time because I was writing these words using my own experiences. And... um you know, when you first start out writing, too, you're you're really modeling other writers. You feel like you're kind of ripping their stuff off sometimes because your right. voice, you haven't quite found your voice yet. And I did feel it was that way, but I knew that if I kept going, I could push past that, which I did eventually. Um, but yeah, those initial books were, um, by the time I was done, I'd actually written, I guess, uh, call it a self-help trilogy, but uh, that was it. And um, those were... I think those were the first three that I had uh, published. Uh, maybe it was seven or eight years ago, and they've been revised a little bit here and there. We're actually going to do a relaunch of those, that original material because the covers have been updated. But um, you know, with other projects coming up, it's just it's hard to go back and fix things. You know, you just keep pushing forward. So,
0: mm. you know. yeah, I was going to ask you also. You know, when you read back, or you look back on these books that you read when you were very young. Do you? You know, my question was going to be: Do you ever feel like? Oh, I wish I could have written that a different way. <laughs> Cause because mm-hmm. my experience is that every time I look back at the work that I've done, I want to improve it. I, I'm I'm just a I'm a big believer in constant development, constant improvement, which I know you are too, or as the Japanese say, can buy right, or something like that, mm-hmm. I think it is. Um, and it's good that you're gonna republish some of them. I think I think there's a lot of value in the different stages of our lives. Where we share how we feel and our experiences and our pers- perspectives. But perhaps as you get older, you're able to m- more masterfully craft that communication and that delivery. So I always appreciate, you know, new revisions. Um, but you did, you know, y- you and I, essentially what we're talking about here is uh, the, the, the Japanese word for it is shokunin, right? Mm-hmm. It's a master so. yeah. of. The craft. It's someone who strives for perfection, but probably understands they're never going to reach it. Um, one thing that I have learned, not recently, but I think it really dawned on me, is there's a saying the less you know, the more you think you know. The more you know, the less you think you know. And as I learn and learn and learn, and I talk to people like yourself, and I question my thoughts, and I start to open my mind, I realize how little I know about anything, because I can go back to something I wrote, like, like we're talking about. And I can think to myself, what an idiot, like, you know, what was I thinking? Um, Mm -hmm. And it just goes to show you know, how open minded I think we we really could be. uh, If we really put our minds to it, we could we could be a lot more empathetic to people, we could be a lot more um, accepting of different ways of thinking, uh, and just, you know, I think there's a balance there and I don't want to, I don't want to kind of like pull away from the topic of the discussion too much, but I think there's a really fine balance between being open-minded and being decisive because those are two separate things. It's like, make a choice, but give yourself enough time to consider all the options first and try to be as unbiased as possible. Um, so, I don't know how much you've dived into that kind of thing, but those are the topics that I think are really interesting to me because I kind of, the way that I like to see it is I take whatever Eckhart Tolle is saying or people as like him who are teaching us about the present moment, you know, being more spiritual, being more open minded, being more accepting, and then going back to like the Stoics and having a look at how they lived their lives and they were very very decisive they they knew what they wanted they were very clear about it they and they were very disciplined and it's like how do you strike a balance between those two things because i see the value in both of them.
1: yeah like um something that i uh, i'll see if i'm i'm on if i'm on point here but uh what happens with a lot of people, I think, is that we get to a certain level in our lives where we, I don't know if it's a subconscious decision or it's just like unconscious or whatever, but uh, we just decide, like, okay, you know, I've done enough. I've gone far enough. I've gotten this position in my company. You know, I've got some money saved or a lot of money saved. And uh, we just fall into this level of comfort where, you know, we feel like we've made it, you know, and I've done really well and I'm just going to you know, maybe I've got to retire. I don't know. Not that there's anything wrong with with retiring, but um doesn't matter if you retire at 40, if you retire at 80. <laughs> to me, what that actually means is like, I'm done. I'm going to cash in my chips and I'm just going to like, you know, coast from here on in. And mm-hmm. that's probably the one thing that, um, I, I don't know. I think when you, when you talk about like, if we talk about potential, right? Like, I mean, and I was Tom Billy is one of my mentors I just like love Tom Billy stuff he 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 has impact theory and just like i'm I'm in this um I just joined up with this, this uh, impact university recently just learning a lot because he's, he's you know he's all about mindset but I mean um, that was something that he said is like a lot of people just uh you know they just get really comfortable and then what they think is comfort is actually they start sliding backwards after you know after a few mm-hmm. months or a few years and uh, they don't realize that they're actually sliding back into um, you know, they're just, uh, they're not improving, of course, they're actually getting worse. And that's one of the things that kills a lot of people quickly is because they just lose sight of, uh, what actually drove, what was driving them in the first place, if they actually mm-hmm. had that drive, you know? So it's just something I've always been very, very aware of. Is like, I didn't, I don't want to get too comfortable because I lived for that. Um, I guess, well, I guess I, not to quote Tony again, but he always said like the one thing that. Like I think someone said, like, what's the one thing you would say is like has just made you successful? And he said, "It's hunger." Right. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know how to teach that hunger. I don't know if it's something you can that can be taught, or if it's something that you just uh, you know somewhere along the line you just decide like I'm going to be so hungry. I'm just like I'm going to become this unstoppable machine. You know, and, and I don't know if it's a decision you make. I still haven't nailed that down. But I don't um, think
0: it is something you can teach people. I, I've tr- I've mm-hmm. tried. I, I've had partners and friends and i have friends yeah. right now and without saying any names i mean i really care about these people and i mm. i'm watching them from a distance and i'm listening to what they say and they're very defeated you know for whatever reason it's a very hard time for a lot of people right now but it's i've always seen this as a mindset thing and that's why i've always mm. been so no matter what's happened to me no matter what experiences i've had that have kind of really hit me hard or uh, dragged me down I've always thought about it as like well if I just see things differently if I just think about it differently and I you know I'm aware that there's people that are suffering to many degrees greater than I have been then that's kind of like been the permission almost to like say well okay I, I don't have to feel so bad about this I can I can I can trust myself I can be confident with myself um and it's very difficult to 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 get someone to think that way, um, I, 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 like to, I like to use kind of analogies. And I, I remember Eckhart Tolle probably said something along, along the lines of Jesus didn't want to indoctrinate people. He wanted to ask them questions and kind of give them pointers and it let them come to the conclusions themselves. And it's, it's almost known as a, as a very effective technique for c- persuasion is if you really want to sell your idea to someone, you know, ask them a bunch of questions that lead them to the conclusion that you have. And I would say that's probably the best way to get someone to see things from your perspective, because, you know, hammering something down someone's throat is not a very effective use of your energy. So yeah, I, I, I you know, but the, the fact that you're studying or you joined into that, uh, Tom you Bilyeu, Tom billu's Really ag- aggressive, a, but that's great. I mean, that's very good if you're, you know, if you're looking for massive leaps forward and you want to get into the right frame of mind. I think Tom's work has helped me a lot to see how I could make some drastic changes and be a lot more, you know, pragmatic about things. Um, why do you think this was a question I I really. That stumbled across my mind. I wanted to ask you why do you think we're so hell bent, for lack of a better phrase, on being better? What is it about human beings that drives us to just always want to improve? Because I've heard this conversation a few times on the Joe Rogan experience, for example. You know, there's a lot of talk about where are we heading with AI? Why do we want to create these things? What's pushing us?
1: Yeah, that's a big question. And, you know, we could, uh, wow, like my mind just went in six different directions there because there's really, uh, there's not, I I don't have an answer for it, but I mean, is it it something that's embedded into each individual? You know, we could go back and say, oh, well, you know, I was raised this way, born this way, raised this way, so my parents always taught me this. So yeah, okay, we have those family values, say, or cultural values, but even like there's something much deeper obviously like underneath the underneath all of this that's um i I feel like it's just it's whatever it is it's driving the human experience right Mm. and that's why you know we just have this thing where we have got to continue pushing forward right and it's interesting like i mean looking at um i don't know use like say um people who are highly hugely successful they're billionaires they got everything in the world and yet um most of them are still out there like say Warren Buffett could be an example. They are still going to work every day and putting in 10 to 14 hours a day, maybe not everybody, but they're still working and driving towards something. Um, you know, uh, like what's driving them? Obviously it's not yeah. money because they've already got, they've got more than they know what to do with. Right. Mm. Um, so those are the people I look at and I think, okay, like, whatever it is that's driving this person like that's just, it's not the money so i've got to stop chasing that because obviously if i get a certain amount i'm still going to be driving to forward try to you know but there is this um and again i i you know we can say that it's only one percent of the population that are like that, but actually i i think it's i'll just throw my hat in the ring and say it's probably everybody is like that it's just that the other 99% of us, or 90% of us, have not woken up to it yet or mm-hmm. awakened to it yet, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember Eckhart Tolle was talking was something like that it might have been in his other book, uh, I think it was The Awakener. Earth, I can't remember the, the title of the, the first one, but, you know, um, he'd said something along those lines where like, you know, we're all here for a reason, we don't know what that reason is, but, um, you know, I think we, we, you know, we, we get up every day, we go to work, we come home, we do our thing. And we go through really hard times sometimes some people cash in early and decide not to continue and uh, you know most of us will continue to push on through that adversity but and this is the thing where a lot of my i think work and research is coming from is just like figuring out what uh what is that drive first of all and um how can I get more of it like like if so I want to really turn on the juice like what I think that's the question I always ask myself is what if I did this like what could happen you know and I think that's kind of the obsession that's driving Tom billiard I mean I I don't know I didn't talk to him personally but just listening to a lot of the things that he talks about it's like having that there's an obsession there that um no matter what uh, like I couldn't stop if I wanted to you know it's like people ask me why do you write so many books and my response the only thing I could th- really think of is well, I don't know what else to do it's just like there's just this thing inside of me that's driving me forward uh, if you take a, a lot of other writers too stephen king said the same thing you know i mean right. obviously he's not doing it for the money but he's just doing it because that's what he does you know and i don't know if i answered your question
0: there no no absolutely, sweet, but um, absolutely you did and and it made me think of a few other things what what do you think people can do to um, I mean, you know, you, you talk about things like healing your past. How important is that for you to be mm. able to craft, you know, the future you want in mm. life? Cause always, yeah, people that. always go to the past and they always say, oh, I identify with this, this happened to me. I've done it. I've blamed yeah. my father so many times and I, 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 I'm very conscious of it now. And I'm very, you know, I'm very, I'm trying to take more responsibility for where I am right now in life, you know, mentally, emotionally. Um, because I don't want to blame him, because I don't think it's fair, and I don't think it's right, and I don't think it's helping me either. So, yeah, I'd be inter- interested to know what you think about that.
1: Yeah, the um, I'm actually working through a lot of that material, like still diving into it and, and working my way through it. But here's what I um, what I've come across is that you know, there are people out there that undoubtedly have had like horrific past, you know, and certainly can't discount that. I'm not, I don't think I'm, I'm not one of them, but I mean, we all have things that happened in our past that, uh, led to traumas, you know, and that trauma is, uh, for some people it's very mild and others it's very severe. Now I'm not a trauma expert or anything like that. So I, I won't, um, you know, I won't dive into the science of it yet until I learn some more about it. But, um, here's what happens when when we lean into the past like looking back at the past and going yeah okay you know like that happened and that was that was a really that was a terrible thing that um maybe it shouldn't have happened to me but it did and i got through that you know and if i hadn't have gotten through that well like it would have beaten me so there's really two ways to look at the past uh you can look at it as um you're the victor and you've made it through you've you you push through and you're, you're here right now, or you're a victim of your past and you're still leaning into it, um, playing the victim role saying, Oh, you know, if only this had happened, I would have been a different person. And that's where, like, I think a lot of people get caught up in the past is they're actually their Your thoughts are anchored to the past. So your emotions are anchored to the past. So when you're actually, um, rethinking something over and over, and this is what happens to like, you know, a lot of people who go through PTSD and trauma is that they're always thinking about that same situation. So every time they do, it's like they're reliving it over and over and over again. Mm. And that can go on for decades, right? Yeah. Um, until you actually decide, you decide or you get help and somebody, you know, says, Hey, like, this is what's happening. This is what you got to do to, to, to heal. And the healing part of it comes from the awareness that you are actually you're the one that is recreating this. Maybe, yeah. I mean, let's just say like a somebody grew up in a, a terrible family home, and you know they um, they have a deep resentment against their parents or their father because of something that happened. And you continue to um, go back and you know repeat that you're you're reliving that story over and over and over again, whatever it may be. And you can't move forward when you know, emotionally, um, your mind is like living in the past. Try And what we try to do is we try to find a way out of it. Like, you know, we, we go from like victim mode to, um, you know, like, like survival mode, you know, like we're constantly in survival mode. And as long mm-hmm. as you're in survival mode, you're not thriving. Um, you're just going to be stuck there grinding your wheels. And that's a very, I, this is a very painful way to live, but I mean, and, and, you know, I, I've been there some days. I am still some days I go back there and then something is like, I'll snap out of it like the next day. But it, it really, like the healing does begin when you can recognize that, Oh, that's what's going on. And in order for you to move forward, I've got to make a mindset shift. Like I'm the one. And the thing is, and this comes back to the responsibility is like, Yes. you've got to take total responsibility for your life because you know what nobody else is going to and nobody yeah. else should that's not their responsibility anyways. no matter what happened to you in the past, you're the only one that can decide that okay, you know what I'm not doing that anymore. I'm gonna be this kind of person and I'm and this kind of person does these things and this is exactly what I'm going to do and mm. that comes back to like making that decision but also just um like um, yeah realizing like everything that's happened up till now okay i didn't uh, you know i can't control all the like we can't control the uh, the the circumstances per se but we can control how we um uh, how we see those circumstances right i think it was viktor frankl that said that like you know uh, i can't quote uh, offhand what he had said but it was like um we can't control all the circumstances but we can control how we see them you know and it was something like that but it was just very powerful and knowing and that was you know right you know, and I, I just always think of that, like somebody like that, you know, if he, you know, he could survive the, uh, you know, the, um, Nazi death camps and have that kind of an attitude where at the end of the war, he was like one of the very few that was left surviving because he had made that decision. Well, um, what's to stop anybody else from doing it? So,
0: mm, mm. wow. Yes. Like so many things you've touched on here that I want to comment on, um, And firstly, Viktor Frankl, you know, that book, Man's Search for Meaning Mm. is terrifying because it Mm. actually happened. And I don't really, I don't think many people know or remember, uh, you know, the events that led up to the war and then all the atrocities that happened at the Second World Mm. War. I mean, I mean, you know, today... And I don't want to get into this too much, but I do, I do feel a responsibility to bring it up now and again. Today, I can see a lot of parallels between what led to the Second World War and what's happening now with the division and the, you know the authoritarian movement towards uh, controlling people, monitoring people, um, vilifying those that decide to choose a different course uh, other than what the government recommends i feel like there's a lot of parallels happening today that led up to the second world war and the atrocities that uh, took place after and uh, or during rather and his book and you know people people would benefit a lot from just reading historical books if you don't know your history you're doomed to repeat it over and over again and i am not a history expert but i think it's my responsibility to keep myself aware of of what we've been through and always surround myself with people who can help me with that because therefore i'm going to be much more aware of 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 what's going on around me and put myself in a position where i can make much better decisions i i i didn't mean to to drive the conversation in that direction. But it just talking about Viktor Frankl just really spurred me to, to mention that because it's a terrible time we're going through. I feel like 2022 is gonna be a lot harder because I do not see this, uh, this whole authoritarian push slowing down. In fact, I see it speeding up rapidly. You can already mm-hmm. see in Germany, they've created these bar- barriers in supermarkets of all places in the world germany decided to build barriers to separate uh, groups of social groups i mean really come on i mean where are we going with this so so anyway so that i don't i don't know if you have any thoughts about that but you know that that's just how i see things right now um, i think people should read uh, you know and then they can take even more responsibility right they can make even better decisions i also feel like for me what helped me overcome My past traumas and my beliefs and paradigms about you know victimization because I was a victim for a long time and the entire period that I lived in Asia or Southeast Asia and I did go to Japan for six months like I mentioned but that entire period was like a de-evolution for me. (laughs) It was like a a, it was like a um, Mm -hmm. you know when you when you when you're breaking down because you're not you're not even Staying still, you're moving backwards, you're reversing what you learned was right because you live in a bubble. You have uh, made it so that your emotions win. And really, honestly, I mean, a lot of us have real trouble with that, trouble with figuring out how to manage emotions, figuring out what's real and what's not real. And what I mean by that is okay, for example, right now, I know what I want to achieve in life. I've got some very clear goals and I know exactly the route that I need to take to get there. But that route hurts because it's about growth, it's about mental, emotional growth. Um, It hurts. So there's days when I kind of think to myself, thought passes through my brain and it's like, you know, why are you doing all this stuff? It's very difficult. It's not pleasant sometimes. You have panic attacks, you have anxiety attacks. Why the fuck are you doing this to yourself? Why don't you just have a simple life? Loads of people have simple lives and they enjoy it. And, and, you know, maybe that's the key to life. Maybe you're just pushing yourself because of capitalism or because of X, Y, or Z. And I'm like, no, I think that's my emotions talking because my emotions don't want to, you know, you don't want to feel bad. You want to feel good. But I genuinely, Challenge people to, to push themselves through that because I feel just like you that constant growth is the key to having a fulfilling life. And I think that feeling stressed or feeling pressured is just a part of that journey. And if we can overcome those things, we'll be so much better off because of it. And, you know, <clears throat> again, going back to the whole all right, how do you cure your past traumas? How do you uh, create the future you d- desire? I think movement. It's key. So just, you know, not staying still, not being in that bubble, like you and I were in, um, not being complacent, and just always moving somewhere, moving forward, taking a decision, deciding to go here, deciding to be with this person deciding to do this, I think if you can do that frequently enough, you will not fall into the trap of complacency, and you will not you know, de evolve and start to break down and move backwards. And I, so I think movement's very important and peers. Tony Robbins talks about peers a lot and that helped me. I changed my entire peer group. You got involved with people like Tom Billier and mastermind groups and things like that. And yes, it can be toxic because a lot of these people in these groups, what I've noticed is they don't have clear, they don't have a clear reason for what they're doing. They're doing it because they're, trying to prove that they're worthy, you know, hyperachievers, overachievers, whatever you want to call them, um, you can convince yourself that what you're doing makes complete sense. But in actual fact, what's happening, i found is you're seeking validation. And so you're really trying hard to be seen as worthy, as valuable. And so you're accomplishing all these things. And then you're still empty at the end because you didn't address the underlying cause but 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 a lot of the time the peers are super important because without that social group you it's just going to be so much harder to do it yourself and i think a lot of the times like you said you just need people to be able to encourage you and 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 help you adopt that mindset you need good teachers good coaches and uh it opens up a whole new world right mm-hmm Oh, yeah, for sure. And I'm all for
1: surrounding myself with people that are just, you know, not everybody, but I mean, there are, you know, like whether you're following them on, I don't know, social media is a good, but you know, you're joining their courses, you're watching their interviews, you're, you're really just listening to what they're saying. You don't have to take everything. I mean, you know, I mean, I don't believe everything that I hear, but you do have to hear. Uh, that message enough times to actually say, yeah, that's actually what he's saying is, you know, it's, or you know, what she's saying is making sense to me now. Like, you know, that's um, I want to think that way. So, like, you know, if I hadn't listened to, um, uh, I don't know, like what Jim Rohn was saying, uh, I think it was like, you know, Tony went up to Jim Rohn and said, why do you always talk about the same thing over and over again? And he said, well, because that's how many <laughs> I'll keep talking about it because that's how many times people have to hear yeah. it before they actually <laughs> take action. You know, so
0: yeah, absolutely. But, um,
1: yeah so yeah like surrounding yourself with the you know like it it is that is so true just uh you know everything that you are um pushing forward trying to achieve like trying to become um you do have to set yourself up for success by surrounding yourself with at least five people that are doing these things you know and um uh that can be difficult to do when uh i don't know maybe like you're not in that situation um maybe you're in a situation at work and you're just not surrounded by the five people or even one person maybe you're just like you're the lone sheep and <laughs> you know everybody's you know you're just being a, in a really um i don't know bad environment per se but mm-hmm. there we go again it's like if you recognize that you are it's like oh, okay well um Maybe you're there because you need to be right now, but are you going to uh, just go with the crowd or are you going to, you know, find a way to break out of it? And that's where it comes down to, again, to like just being very intentional with your decisions, knowing what you want and uh, being able to, um, you know, block out the noise. But at the same time, like you're, you're aware of your surroundings as well. Like, you know, you can, like I can, I don't know, I mean, I can. I can change hats on a dime like depending on the the crowd that I'm around, the environment that I'm in, like I can kind of like kind of like a chameleon, you know I can camouflage myself, but the true mm-hmm. essence of everything that I am that um that will be like that will um that'll be wide open when i'm around uh say like the crowd where they're the ones that are really flourishing they are the high performance and high you know, I don't know if like high achievers, but uh just um I feel really. Um, I feel like a synergy with that crowd. And that's where I can let my guard down and just feel like um, I'm there to grow, you know. And, and if I'm around those people that are encouraging that growth, not trying to hold it back. And I don't think people try to hold us back intentionally, but people are just so scared that, the, you, know, they're, you know, we're all responding out of fear a lot of the times. So when someone sees you doing really well, you know you hear about that like oh so and so is trying to self sabotage my success or something like that, or they don't understand why I'm doing this, well, maybe they're just scared because if they see you make it, they're gonna it's gonna they're gonna realize like wow he, he made it, and I'm still sitting back here and uh you know complaining about my job, complaining about our relationship, et cetera, so I think a lot of people are just uh and this goes back to what you were saying about what what is that drive that keeps pushing everybody forward well I think that um, fear is a powerful motivator, but it can also, you know, it's got, a, it's got a flip side to it too. It can keep you stuck, but it can also drive you forward, right? So my biggest fear, um, it's not the fear of doing things. My biggest fear is, uh, I think you mentioned it earlier, is like getting to 80, if I make it that far, um, having my last few days on earth and having to look back going, wow, I didn't actually like do anything. I didn't accomplish what I really wanted to. And I've only got like, Five days left to live, and it's too late, you know, so that scares yeah. me more than anything, yeah
0: Oh <sighs> yeah, me too, me too and and now and again, I like to publish things in my social media that remind people of the mortality of human humankind, right I mean, like you're gonna die, you don't know when you're gonna die, and so what's the issue let's uh, forget about the things or try to forget about the things that we hold on to as, as, as reasons why we can't do this, that, or the other, uh, fears, doubts, uh, insecurities. I mean, I know it's not that easy because I can't do it that easily either, but really when you boil it down, it's like, why would you keep hold of those things? And coming back to the whole victim mentality thing, what essentially is happening when you believe that you need to be saved um is you're you're giving your power to external forces you're you're actually disempowering yourself and if you truly get that like if you think about it for a while like if you if you meditate on 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 where you are in life and and the okay okay a good way to do it uh, ray dalio talks about this in principles his mm. book and i love that book and it's it's an amazing mm. book i always recommend it but he talks about um, looking at your past decisions and really auditing what got you to where you are in life and being honest with yourself and, and, and trying to be as, as unbiased as possible. Because if you can track, oh my God, I don't know if it's Ray Dalio or Jordan Peterson. It might be Jordan Peterson. So you take a stock of your past decisions and your, and your milestones in your life and you, and you kind of try to map a trajectory of where you're going to go based on that. And it's actually pretty easy to do if you're honest enough. You can see a very clear line, and you can see where you're headed. Like if you have an addiction problem and you've never been able to kick it, and you do, you've done harder drugs over time. You could probably guess that you know may- maybe one day you'll do drugs to the degree that you kill yourself. So it's kind of like that. And I do, do honestly believe if you can pull off that exercise well. Maybe you need some help from friends or family. You'll be able to see, oh my God! Like I could, I I could end up being incredibly unhappy and incredibly unfulfilled, and my life will mean nothing. So I need to make some big changes right now. Um, so you know, being being very objective about things and self aware is something that I'm trying to bring to mainstream social media uh, along with a, a lot of other people right and i'm trying to follow in the footsteps of some of the great teachers that i've seen like you know um let's say mel robbins mm. let's say david goggins uh let's say um you know jocko Willnick, uh joe rogan to a certain degree too i mean they talk about being able to 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 see things clearer and in order to do that you got to have self-awareness so you know, just just saying that as a victim, as a previous victim, uh, you're disempowering yourself, and you're and you need to break free from that. And the only I think one of the ways, and I'm going to talk to you about this in a second because I've got a question for you. But I think one of the major pillars to that is trying to craft a, a greater self awareness. Gary Vaynerchuk talks about this a lot. You know, being self aware mm. is is his biggest skill, and it, it and it frees him. It frees him because he he recognizes all his weaknesses he recognizes what he's shit at and he doesn't care anymore because he knows that that's just the reality and there's not really much he he can really do about it he'd rather focus on his strengths so he kind of lets himself off the hook and he takes full responsibility it's another thing he talks about a lot so it's like self-awareness full responsibility and then you know he he claims that life is just so much sweeter but what what do you think about pillars to a growth mindset i know you talk about this we've we've mentioned a few of them is there are there any other pillars that you know you need to put in place in order to have this massive success this massive growth
1: yeah i mean there's um i think so there's a few of them but one of them that comes to mind is like i you mentioned meditation so meditation is something that i hadn't really taken seriously up until i would say this year although i've talked about it before in the past and i recommend that to other people i wasn't really practicing it myself you know um until i had to and that was probably like a year ago or as in you know like a lot of people in a really bad place and i came across joe dispensa and joe had this program and it's like i started leaning hard into what he was talking about like healing yourself um like healing your mind or how shall i say not just healing it but rebuilding your mind and um wow when i started going down that path just like and this was just again this was like just last year and you know i'd already been working on a lot of these books and stuff but i had something that was quite that was missing anyway right um right and yeah meditation was part of it but also like um visualizing the future that you wanted to create and i know this has been talked about like a lot before by the stoics talked about it all the time like you know if you want to get from here to here you have to visualize how to do it but really like it's actually really hard when you actually do it because again we're um i think staying focused in the present moment is powerful but also taking yourself beyond it and uh looking at um the life that you want to have and then visualizing the steps you have to take to get there uh that takes a lot of practice and uh when i started doing it um it was really hard it was like we re- really are building a muscle that we don't actually use that much because and again we're so focused on the past trying to figure out what went wrong there and what could i have done differently why was this done to me and da, da, da. but um we, use, we use, when you lean on it, when you when you step away from that, you start to move into like really visualizing the future that you want to be living in. Actually, and it's not just like um, visualizing yourself at the top of the mountain, you've conquered your goals, etc., but emotionally putting yourself into that future moment. That's where you start to. And again, I'm just um, I'm probably uh, paraphrasing Joe uh, Dispenza here, but that's what he had been referring to as like. You can't just think about it. You have to actually um, emotionally move yourself into that future moment. And again, that's what the growth mindset is about, like you know, as you know, like the fixed mindsets, like you know, I learned these things uh, when I was growing up, and that's just the way it is, and that's the way it's gonna be because um um I don't know how to be anywheres else, anyways else, but the growth mindset is like realizing like, yeah, okay, fifty percent of everything that we learned, like that's not gonna or the things that we were conditioned to believe in, et cetera, are not gonna change. But that other 50%, that's all you need to really, to, to take that ball of clay and start to mold it into something that's really tangible. That's mm-hmm. where the growth mindset, and I think like, uh, you know, Carol Dweck talks about this in her book, Mindset as well, right? Um, and, uh, you know, she says like the, like the growth mindset is just like, you're constantly, you're limitless, right? You're just, you're constantly on that path of growth. And that was kind of what I was referring to earlier, where a lot of people are just, um, you know, nothing they gave, you know, What well, we, we, you know, once you give up, you're just like, hey, I'm done. You know, I've learned enough. I've gone far enough. Well, you're no longer in the growth mindset stage. You're just kind of like sitting there for a little while. And then eventually you're going to start falling backwards, you know? So it's hard though. Don't get me wrong. Like, it's really, really hard to be that turned on every, like, I don't know, not every moment of the day, but, uh, and there are going to be some days when, Uh, It doesn't matter who you are, you will be stuck in your fixed mindset stage. It doesn't matter how, you know, (laughs) how long you've been doing this for. But the good thing is, is like, you know, on those days, like those are good days too, because Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. the next day is going to be different, you know, as long as you realize like, okay, you know, had a bad day yesterday, or again, you know, maybe it was a bad day, maybe it was a great day. Like, and a lot of like, what we look at is like good and bad is really based on perspective. So I don't like to label things as good or bad. I had a bad day yesterday. Well, you know, maybe it appeared that way, but who knows? Uh, I don't know if I could use an example, but um, uh, you know, maybe um, I had a car accident on the way to work, for example. Okay, well, that's a bad thing. Okay, um, and I may be going off that on a, a little bit of a tangent, but I'm just going to circle back to why I'm, I'm yep. talking about this. Is like you had a car, you had a car accident on the way to work. That was a really bad thing. You are not injured, but, you know, your car was, was t- kind of told. Now, let's just say that um, if you could have taken a different path and decided like, okay, you know what? I'm not going to have that car accident. I'm going to just like, we're just going to go back before the accident and I'm going to take a different route to to work. Well, you did that and you ended up crossing the freeway and getting hit by a semi-truck and then your car <laughs> was totaled, and you okay. were killed, right? So, you know, sometimes we look at things as like, yeah, that was really bad that that happened but we don't realize like i don't know maybe there's a reason why that happened maybe oh my god you know if you had exactly you know actually what happened to me yeah i mean this is literally
0: yeah. exactly how what happened to me is what you're talking about i yeah well, i got my uh i got my driving license uh I was around about 18 so that's quite old because it's, uh, it's 16 in the uk so that's where i'm from originally and i got my driving license at 18. uh i had no Respect for the car, I had no respect for acceleration, deceleration braking whatever and and so I crashed the car relatively minor crash, didn't you know immobilize the car or anything i I hit a wall as I was going down a multi story car park, and um I was drunk at the time, believe it or not i mean i I was very drunk, I couldn't even remember getting home um and that's how stupid I was. And when I woke up the next morning, and I looked at the car, uh, and I I realized what I'd done, it changed my trajectory in life, it shook me into this mode of being very disciplined with what I do behind the wheel. So I didn't drink anymore. When I drive, that's the first thing. And the second thing is I was very careful with how I was driving, and I haven't had an accident since. So this is a great example it's like would i want to avoid that crash probably not because i could have been dead by now (laughs) you know i could have really had this crazy accident i think i think this is very good advice it's it's having a perspective where you look at the things that happen to you and you see them all as having equal value whether it's something fantastically pleasurable or something tragic they all have something very valuable to give you. And so let's not avoid the discomforts of life. Let's embrace them. Let's go back to maybe some teachings from ancient China, ancient Greece, and really work with the yin and the yang of life so that we can have fulfillment. We can be full, we can be complete. Um, A lot of what's happening today, like cancel culture, right, is going against that it's saying, let's remove all the bad things, right, quote, unquote, bad things, Mm -hmm. let's remove all the unpleasurable, all the discomforting things from life, and we'll have a great life. But unfortunately, I don't think that's how things work. And I think, by doing that, you're setting yourself up for failure, massive failure, because now you don't remember, and you don't have respect for the tragedy of life the, the 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 negative things in life and so you know but but uh yeah you you were making a great point i just wanted to jump in there and, and kind of comment on that
1: yeah i think it's just like uh you know just we we just have to be more cognizant of like there's something bigger that's happening i mean underneath like we'll call it the uh you know something that's we haven't seen it yet i don't know uh it's probably a bigger conversation maybe but um you know, if you, I guess when people say, you know, I'm having a really bad day and I get it, people have bad days, but getting back to, let's just use Viktor Frankl's story again, as an example, Is like, you know, if you think you're having a bad day, you might want to go read this book or dive it. you know, just like take a look at some people. And look, I'm not saying like you're not having a bad day or something bad didn't happen to you. But um, if you stay there long enough, you're going to start to feel really sorry for yourself. And then, you know, um, you're just going to end up uh, putting your mind into a mess and you know, turning everything into a mess. And and the one thing is, it's like uh, you know, if you, uh, I mean, I always uh, when people ask me, um, you know, what should I be investing in? Like, in and my mm-hmm. answer is always going to be the same. Well, you should be investing in your mindsets, and mm-hmm. uh, they don't really get it when I say that. But uh, after they, you know, after we kind of walk through it, they're like, oh, okay, that's that's why. Because if you've got a mindset that's like align with your vision align with your goals aligned with your passion and, and all that well um you could lose everything tomorrow and you could you know with that mindset you can go and build it up again because in the end it's not about all the stuff that you're it's not about getting stuff right so becoming something that's greater than yourself
0: um absolutely absolutely so, yeah' it's a it's a much deeper there's a much deeper level to all of this than I think a lot of people believe, you know, and that's just popular culture for you. We're we're consumerists, so um, and we're going through a big consumer period right now with Christmas, and it's just it's just terrible, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I, I I'm buying gifts and things, but I'm like, you know, at the same time, I'm thinking to myself, well, what the hell should I buy? I mean, I I've got to make it valuable in some way, so you know. Um, we're, we're immersed in it. And, and this is the, this is the reason we're having this conversation. We're trying to break through the noise and reach people in, in a medium that, you know, um, is effective because mainstream is never going to talk about this. You know, like the news will never try to, uh, the mainstream news will never try to, uh, nourish you. It will always try to, um, you know, get your the, the base of the, of the of the how do you call it it's the base of the uh brainstem right it's like the mm. the most primitive form of uh entertainment or let's call it entertainment because it is news is entertainment today so uh, yeah i um i wanted to also ask you you know we we're talking a lot about this right now but but do you have any kind of like tips for Or have you found anything that's particularly helpful for you in terms of, you know, really kind of quickly eradicating or quickly eliminating things that can hold you back? Maybe habits, right, bad habits, or tricks that you have for getting through days that are just a lot heavier than others, where your mind's going on a tantrum and, you know, you're, you're losing your composure. Do you have any kind of like strategies for that? Hmm.
1: Well, I've got quite a few strategies, but, um, I'll just share a few of them because there's probably, you know, we could always like, there's a lot of strategies for doing this and that, but a few things that really work for me. Um, and these are not, uh, these are things you can do right now. And, um, okay. First of all, The morning is so important. And I'm not saying you have to be a morning person and have a morning ritual. I do. But I'll tell you, like when I didn't have one, um, this is what I was doing. I'd wake up, I would, uh, you know, check my phone and then I would get sucked into doing email. And then an hour would go by. And, you know, by 9 a.m., I got pretty much nothing done because I just set my mind on a path of, um, I guess, self sabotage or distraction. So Mm. I do find that aligning my thoughts in the morning, aligning my breath in the morning, if I can spend 20 minutes every morning doing that, um, then the rest of the day is, uh, it's not a cakewalk, but it certainly is, it's going to go a lot better. So here's what I do in the morning is I wake up, I get out of bed right away, drink some water, and um, I I go to reach for the phone and I just like, whoa, okay, you know, I stopped myself from doing that. Not every morning, by the way, there are mornings when I fail at that, and it's like mm-hmm. I, I grab the phone and, and you know you start flipping through all your emails, and then you're on the social media, and um that's something that um, at all costs you want to try to pull back from that. Um, I even um, I do I do use my alarm actually to still wake up, but I recently been stopping that and just turning the phone off at night so I woke right. up it wasn't on right. But that is that is really key. Like I know 20 years ago we didn't have a phone. I to be honest with you, I don't know if anybody remembers what we were doing before that. <laughs> but um <laughs> you know, maybe but, we're you know. doing other things. Snake. Yeah. Yeah. Snake. But yeah, that's um yeah. Um and then I sit down for about 10 minutes and I do just deep breathing. And it is a form of meditation as well. But wow, when you start like just breathing in, holding it before, letting it go, and you do that 10 times, like that was just a game changer for me. And again, this is not like anything that's new or, you know, I didn't create something that was revolutionary. I learned this from other people that said, like, if you want to have a great day or if you want to change your mindset over time, you just have to do these things consistently. And that is part of it. Um, sure, get, get up early. I mean, early can be six, seven a.m. for some people. It doesn't matter what time you get up, but. It's what you do when you get up, right? So you don't have to get up at 4 a.m. and, you know, go through this whole thing. Um, I do get up at five or five thirty, but, um, I had to train myself to do that, but it's what you do when you get up and then just spending, if you can spend one hour, um, without jumping. Uh, and I live online by the way, like all the time I'm like, most of my work is on there, So it's really hard not to jump into that, but, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, you just take that time for yourself. And that's, I think what a lot of, um, us are not doing you know like we're not taking that time for ourselves anymore we're just we're calling ourselves busy but the question is what are you busy doing are we making ourselves busy or are we really busy doing something that matters right
0: well if you you watch the uh netflix documentary the social experiment it's mm. it it explains what's what's happened and mm. these social platforms facebook notably like is the leader with all of this it, it, they just got so good at mining our attention. And so now Mm. we're addicted to it. We're all addicted to it. I don't think I know anyone who's not addicted to social. I mean, I probably know a couple Mm. of people that don't use it. But Mm. the vast majority I'm saying of people that I know today are addicted to social media, they'll be on their phone checking, you know, people's stories or looking at their notifications or, you know, chatting with people. And for uh, there's a good argument there that you know social media has helped people in many ways and you know i can i can understand that there is value to it but as a net effect of spending seven hours a day (laughs) on social media (laughs) which some people do by the way and i'm probably i've done that one or two days or three days is hugely detrimental to your productivity and your overall wellness because Mm. Oh my god. I mean, where do I start? Look, I don't want to get into a whole conversation about this, but let's just let's just let's just be honest. I mean, y- y- you're you're checking your phone in the morning because you're addicted to social media. Because you're addicted mm. to that dopamine rush that you get when you see that you've got seven messages waiting for you. So therefore you're in you're important. Therefore people want to talk to you. That's that's great. But but and and that's why I think most people do that and I I can I can see how uh extreme it might seem to many of you know many of us today especially younger generations where you say don't touch your phone for the first until like midday don't check anything that's an extreme that's extreme mm-hmm. to a lot of people because they grew up with social media They think it's completely normal they don't see the issue with it but again i think it's an addiction and i think addictions are terrible and I, and I'm, I'm i'm a recovering addict from alcohol and you know uh a few other things and i I recognize it for what it is because you know when you don't when you don't think about something and you do it and and, and it's not entirely beneficial to you you could say that that's an addiction right there
1: mm, yeah yeah and that dopamine spike is very powerful like that's when you when you start tapping into that like wow um and i know you're i think i i totally agree with you like social media has its place it certainly has its good points um But um, I can't remember who said this, but it was like, um, you know, back in the day, you know, like like 20, 30 years ago, we would go visit our neighbors. Maybe we'd go from house to house and, you know, in the course of a day, maybe, you know, you could visit like, say, 10 people, right? Now we have social media where we can actually jump through, (laughs) you know, thousands of doors in a single moment. And, um, like, we don't even know what the effects of that will be in. 10, 20, 50 years, um, Mm. but, um, you know, so yeah, when I say like, uh, don't get up in the morning and you know, like, like get up in the morning and don't check your phone. It's, uh, I realize that is probably one of the hardest things to do. Um, and it's also one of the best things to do, but having said that you're, you're going to be like, you're going to be reaching for, cause I still do. Like I wake up and like, you know, do I reach for the bottle of water first or do I reach to check Mm -hmm. Instagram. Well, my mind is saying, let's get on that Instagram because we just woke up, and we need a dopamine spike. And that's like the fastest way to get it, you know? So
0: yeah. But Oh my God. Well, you know, luckily there are, I guess, functions of the phone that you can turn on. There are apps you can install. Um, You could literally put your phone uh, in somewhere that's very hard to access uh, every night before you go to bed. <laughs> there's a few things you can do for many of the challenges in life that we've talked about like little tricks um and 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 it can help so uh so there's there's assistance there to help you when you're not feeling strong enough to <laughs> to deal with that um, um i was just going to really-
1: mention yeah i was just gonna, oh, sorry i was just going to say uh one more strategy that i do that's really st- and again this is not nothing new but like journaling has really really been a powerful way for me to um build one of those pillars um for the mindset but also just for personal growth and what do i write about in the journal whatever i can think of but i also write down what my goals are right um i don't do that every day but on the days when i do it actually those are the days that are really really good so mm-hmm. All you need is like, like uh, I think Julia Cameron talks about that in um, her book, The Artist's Way, like the the morning pages. Well, I started out, that's how, you know, I mean, like a lot of people, I got the idea from that. And um, i gotten away from the habit for a long time and I got back into it. But yeah, it is um, it is a very powerful strategy. So if you could do anything in the day, it'd be like, you know, your morning pages, breath work, and then um, please like exercise. That's a game changer as well. And again, nothing mm-hmm. new there but when we're busy doing all these other things, we forget about doing the other things that um, could be making the big changes that we want, so.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I'm a big, big fan of exercise. Um, it's been, it's been essential. I I, I don't think I could have, I couldn't have done it without pushing myself physically. It's, it's that, it's that feeling of wellness that you get from it that makes everything okay again. <laughs> you, you had a huge mm. panic attack or anxiety you go to the gym, it, you're able to expel a lot of that energy, whether you're, you know, whether you believe in energy or not. I don't know what you what, what there is not to believe in it, but a lot of people don't really get this. So yeah, exercise, absolutely. Sleep, absolutely 100%. I, I, I can't function properly if I don't sleep properly. Um, and that, you know, again, going back to what Jordan Peterson says, he's a clinical psychologist, right? He's got, he's got mm. decades of experience. He's, he, he knows how the human mind and body work together. And he says the biggest uh, factor in being able to manage depressive states with people is going to bed at the same time every, no, sorry, going to bed for enough hours and waking up at the same time every day. It doesn't necessarily matter what time you go to bed, but as long as you wake up at the same time every day and you get enough sleep, that's the key to feeling happier, to not mm-hmm. being as de- depressive as, as, you, as you may be. So that, that's that been a big game changer for me too. Um, I, I think I think there's so much in this conversation, maybe it merits another one. Uh, in the future, um, but Journey. you know, I've really, really enjoyed talking to you about all this stuff. It's a, it's a nice kickoff to our new brand, and um, you know, we've covered so many things that I, I genuinely want to go into more detail with on this podcast. So, so I, I truly appreciate you coming on, and you know, let's give people um, the, 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 the places they can buy your book. Uh, what is what is the book called? Where can they buy it? Your most recent one? Um, where can they find you online, too? Sure, yeah. So we're
1: currently building out a new website. My URL is com, but we're building out a new website. So the current website is um, it's still up there, but um, we'll be replacing that by the end of the month um, and at the latest by mid-January. But in the meantime... You can certainly go to Amazon, just, um, you can find me on Scott Allen books. If you plug that in, you'll come across the books. And yeah, I think the latest book that I launched was, um, undefeated was one of them. And we got a new one, uh, coming out next week called no punches pulled. Mm. So, uh, that's going to be, I think we're gearing up for a really good launch for that one. And that's taking the mindset, um, strategies, I think to a different level. Like we, we, we've got a nice framework for this book. So, um, I've been building out for the last year and that'll be launching, uh, December 7th, which is, I guess, yeah, in a few days. So, um, but yeah, they can check out fail big undefeated, um, And I've got a series of books on there on rejection as well, because that was something that I had struggled with for a very long time, still do. So yeah. Yeah. We've got a third book coming out for that next year. But, um, I think, uh, you know, there's, uh, probably some material there that, uh, something for, yeah, whether you're looking to, um, uh, you know, do some self healing or you just want to, um, yeah, dive into the mindset stuff. Um, and again, I'm, you know, I'm always learning this stuff myself. Like I'm not a, you know, I wouldn't say like, um, I don't like to call myself an expert in anything mm-hmm. yet, but, uh, there's always that, uh, that, uh, just like that, um, constant and never ending, um, improvement. That's just like, that's the thing that I, that's what I live by. So, um, I'm always learning so that I can teach people more. Yeah, I just love teaching people. You know, I mean, I, 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 was a teacher here in Japan for many years. I wasn't teaching, you know, I was teaching, um business, uh, business courses and a bunch of other things, but I just love teaching people. And, uh, you know, every time I learn something, I just want to share it. So, um, yeah, they can check in, um, on Amazon for the books, their website will be up. We have courses coming out next year. So really excited for that. So, um, and, um, yeah, I'd love to come back on the show, uh, in the near future and,
0: uh, do a follow up. So. Yeah, there's so much we could talk about. I mean, you've got a huge variety of subjects that you kind of specialize in. And even even the 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 rate at which you publish your books is impressive to me. I mean, <laughs> when I get around to writing my book, I'm probably going to want to ask you a bunch of questions. So there's always that. But yeah, thanks a lot, um, Scott, for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Sure.